Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. With his trumpet, he turned Tijuana Brass into gold, earning 15 gold and 14 platinum records. He won nine Grammys Awards between 1966 and 2014 and received the National Medal of Arts from President Barack Obama in 2012. He's Herb Albert, uh, the co-founder of A&M Records, uh, one of the largest independent labels of all time. They recorded such people as Carol King, Cat Stevens, The Carpenters, Janet Jackson. The list goes on and on. Herb Albert is, is the work of John Scheinfeld, and it is a terrific documentary about this amazing artist who, for a lot of people, may seem like an historic footnote from the 60s and 70s, but has continued to this day to lead a vital and productive and very artistic life. And I'm so glad that you were able to document all this, John Seinfeld. Thank you so much for the film, and welcome to Film School Radio. Thanks, Mike, uh, for having me. Happy to be here. So, John Scheinfeld, tell me a little bit about how you got interested in a documentary about Herb Albert. It's all my mother's fault. Um, when I was a kid, my my mom uh, had uh, almost every Herb Albert and the T. Winter Brass album and would play them and I would see her dancing around the house to this music. And so it made a real impression on me that this is very happy music. This is very upbeat music. So I always have had that in the back of my mind. And, and you know, when iTunes came in and all of that, I would have some Herb Alpert, Tijuana Brass stuff in my iTunes library. But I've also been aware of the other aspects of Herb's life. And so when the opportunity presented itself to go and talk to him about doing a documentary. I had remembered this wonderful impression I had of his music uh, from my childhood. And uh, the more that I read about his life uh, and how he has lived his life, the more I thought this is a man worth celebrating. So I went out to the house to meet with him and his wife, Lonnie Hall, who used to be the lead singer of a band that uh, Herb discovered Sergio Mendez in Brazil 66. Uh, we had lunch and we were getting to know each other and I described my vision for the film and we spent probably three and a half hours that day and at the end Herb said well what's the next step and I said well I think you got to decide you're finally ready to tell your story because he's been approached many times over the years and it's never been the right time for him. Uh, and I said, and then you got to decide you like my vision and I'm the guy to make it. And then we can kind of figure out the next step. And he looks at Lonnie and looks back at me, and says, no, we're we're ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, Mike, this is who he is. And it's one of the things we bonded over, which is he's very much a guy that operates from his gut. And he talks about that in the film. Very instinctive. You like something or you don't. You're You're into it or you're not. You have passion for it or you don't. And that's really guided him in all aspects of his life. And the point of the title, Herb Alpert Is, came to me because he really is many different things to many different people. He is the, as we were discussing, he's the performer of Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass and then all the years as a solo performer. He's a very talented producer who discovered Sergio Mendez and the Carpenters and a lot of other great artists. He's an entrepreneur 
who co-founded arguably the most successful independent record label in the history of the music business, A&M, A for Albert, M for Jerry Moss, his partner. He's a sculptor and a painter whose artwork is on display in galleries and museums around the world. And he's a philanthropist who very much believes in giving young people a leg up that he didn't get when he was growing up. And in the last 10 years, he's probably given away $150 million to arts and education programs across the country. So all of this said to me, this is a story that needs to be told. And he's a super cool guy on top of everything else. He is. Um, uh, Sir Ken Robinson, who's one of the, who was, he just passed away recently, uh, uh, one of the, the, the most um, uh, renowned experts on creativity and education in the world, said about Herb that he was always the coolest person in the room, no matter who was there. I think Lonnie Hall, his wife, said this correct me if I'm wrong on that, but that he doesn't think creatively, he lives creatively. Yeah, that was Lonnie. Yeah. And it's really true. You know, and that's sort of what gave me uh, a bit of a, uh, the structure for our film, Mike, is uh, I, I wanted to just sort of check out his daily routine. So that's why we opened the film after the opening. It's why yeah. we start with, with him having breakfast, which I thought was a really sort of fun intimate, uh, unusual way to open up a film. And then he goes and he practices trumpet and piano, you know, for a couple hours. And then he goes and he paints or he sculpts. Uh, he's always doing something creative. And that's really what drives him. He's much less interested in, in other things. And I think that's what characterizes him as a human being. And I, and I thought Lonnie described that uh, perfectly. Yeah. And one of the things that he says uh, during that part of the film, which I really appreciated, and because we all have this impulse. We think we're creative. I think most people think they're creative on some level. And it, and it manif usually manifests itself in the of uh, maybe picking up a guitar or some kind of instrument and, and thinking, well, I could play this and I would probably be really good or, you, you know, people aspire to that. But what he says, he says, look, there's nothing like hard work, you know, and he says, you know, you think, you may think you can do this. I'm paraphrasing here, but but until there's no substitute for sitting down for every day and working on your craft. And that's what I think you're really talking about when you describe his, his, his typical day of getting up, having breakfast and then playing, going out. It just, he's practicing all the time. Yes. And, and I think it's one of the things I would hope the audience takes away from Herb Alpert is particularly aspiring artists, whether they're musicians or painters or sculptors, which is you got to work really hard at it. And if you do, you can perhaps have some of the success that Herb has enjoyed. Uh, that He's inspiring in that way, that, that if you work hard, you have, you're good at what you do, um, you'll have some success. And uh, uh, I like that kind of a positive message in a film. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit about his history uh, of his own personal history, something that I was uh, surprised to find out was that his father was Russian. Yes. He, that his father came to the United States on a boat, um, found himself some work, um, you know, built a family, built a, built, built a life for himself and his family. And 
I, I was just surprised. I, I again, this is going to sound, I don't know how this is going to sound, but because Herb Albert played Lonely Bull and all, and the songs that sound, were very traditional Mexican music sounding, I just assumed that he was. So <laughs> thank you for uh, for blowing up that stereotype for me. Um, well, you uh, know, we have um, Billy Bob Thornton in the film sort of has fun with that. Yeah. Um, he also grew up thinking that Herb was Mexican. And, uh, and, he, and uh, there's a very funny story and a joke that he tells that I won't spoil here, but uh, mm. uh, you are not alone in that uh, conception. For people who may know the name Herb Alpert, he was a musician of, of note from a certain period of time in our music history. Uh, let's go back to uh, how he developed this sound and then a little bit about how it just blew up. In, in ways that were, again, a byproduct of his hard work, his work with Lou Adler, his work, he put in the work, but certain things happened to him that uh, were, you know, no one could have planned for, only in your dreams, right? That is correct. Like many artists, uh, Herb was on a journey. He didn't explode on the scene and, uh, and, and, and was selling millions of records. Um, there was a progression over a period of, of five or six years uh, that led him to the Lonely Bull. He tells a story in the film about he had teamed up with Lou Adler, who went on to be a, a great record producer of Carol King and the Mamas and the Papas and Johnny Rivers and a number of other artists, Cheech and Chong. Anyway, they were two young guys with, with no experience and they started writing songs together and they had a meeting at this small record company here in Los Angeles. And they were meeting with the head of A&R, which means artist and repertoire. And those were the guys that would look out to sign new talent. And this guy, who it turns out was Sonny Bono of Sonny and Cher, who, who had their own big hits about the nine years later. Uh, Sonny was the A&R man, and he took a listen to the songs that Herb and uh, Lou had done and, and suggested that they get out of the record business. <laughs> <laughs> So um, from that, it became a series of learning experiences. It would have been really easy to crush a young person. And, you know, he would have gone off and, you know, got some other job. But he took that as a challenge. And every experience he had along the way, whether it was writing, producing, recording, he filed away in the back of his head. And finally, it all sort of started to come out in 1962 when, when he came up with the sound for The Lonely Bull. It, it started with a trip to a uh, bullfight in Tijuana and something about music he heard during the bullfight from uh, you know, the local band that was playing somewhere in the uh, stadium triggered uh, an idea and a sound. And, and yeah. he augmented that, double tracked his trumpet. He, he always sort of thought that was a really interesting sound. And lo and behold, out came the Lonely Bull and, and was a big hit. But again, I think for aspiring artists, uh, musicians, filmmakers, whatever it is, you're not going to explode on the scene fully formed. There's a journey you're going to go on. Right. And uh, her very much was on that journey. And if you talk to him, he would say he's still on it. Yeah. He's constantly learning and exploring. And uh, I, I think that's very admirable. I love that story where he when he double tracked the, the trumpet in that particular song. I think that's still one of my favorite, maybe my favorite uh, Herb Alpert songs is, is it's haunting 
it's it's there's something very compelling about that sound uh and uh so he had a knack not just for that that particular song was probably the first time we started to get any airplay is is that right was lonely bowl was that, yes that's yeah. right he had put out some instrumental singles he had put out a couple of vocal singles that were very much in the uh, Frankie Avalon, uh, Bobby Rydell kind of school. This was uh, his first um, big hit. And I think it really paved the way for a lot of instrumental groups in the 60s and 70s who had hits without vocals. That sound, he was able, that morphed into, uh, um, while it was compatible, it was in the spirit of Lonely Bull, his sound really brightened up over the next few years in terms of the instrumentals that and the songs he was putting out. And there's something distinctive, and someone in the uh, in the film says this: you you can listen to a song and you'll know if it's Herb Albert like within the first five seconds because of that tone, that sound he gets out of his his trumpet, and it's usually a bright and happy sound. There's something very positive about the music he makes yes uh actually um that it was miles davis who oh. said that oh that's right that's and, right uh, thank you thank i you. think miles knows a little bit about the <laughs> trumpet playing but his, his quote was that uh, you hear three notes and you know it's herb alpert yeah there you go and i think it's true there is something about that tone uh you can spot him even if it's not one of his records he's playing on somebody else's you can still kind of spot him in the background. It's, it's such a unique sound. I think what's interesting, what you were saying about Lonely Bull is very true. There was a, it was compelling. There was a little touch of melancholy in yeah. that song. And from time to time, he would return to that. You, there, he did some more uh, ballads and, and, and slow pieces that had a little melancholy to them. But by and large, um, his output during the T Winter Breast was that happy sound that I mean, what Questlove did say in the film, and I wanted somebody very contemporary, young person to talk about how Herb's music inspired them. And that's what Questlove and Chloe Flower, uh, uh, up and coming uh, pianist, uh, bring to the film. They talk about that. But Questlove says it was the happiest, it's the happiest music on earth. And he, he talks about when he has a bad day, he'll put on his Herb Alpert playlist and it just makes him feel better. That's true. Well, I want to remind our listeners, we're speaking with the director of the documentary film called Herb Alpert Is, and that would be John Scheinfeld. He's known for many other films, Sergio Mendez in The Key of Joy, The um, Chasing Train, the John Coltrane documentary, as well as many others. The U.S. versus John Lennon, another terrific documentary. There's so many. Congratulations on <laughs> on your work. Um, there's so, yeah, so much. Even at the height of his his popularity, and he was huge, and I didn't know this, and it's in the film, that during a period of time over a couple of years, he sold more B albums than the Beatles did. And this is when the Beatles were, it was Beatlemania when this was, when he was selling, when Herb Albert was out selling them. So it gives you some idea of just how popular he is. But you have the impression from watching him in the film, even at the height of his popularity, he was a restless soul. He was someone who was all continually challenging himself. He always seemed to be looking for the next project, the next sound, the next thing that he wanted to do. Is that an accurate assessment of uh, Herb? Yeah, very much so. I think uh, 
restless artistic soul is a good way to put it. He was all, uh, very much looking to do something different or to, to push the boundaries rather than simply uh, keep repeating the sound uh, uh, of, of the lonely bull. I'll tell you a really interesting story. One of the things I love so much about what I do is what I call the treasure hunt. And it's when we, uh, we're always looking for unusual, rare, never before seen or heard audiovisual material to put in the film. So it's not the same old stuff you can see on YouTube and elsewhere. And uh, Herb had done three TV specials in the late 1960s for um, CBS and NBC. And uh, Herb owns the shows and he had the master tapes in, in his vault. And while we were in there sort of doing an inventory to see what there was that we might want to use, we came across a master tape of a, about a 40 minute interview that Herb had done in 1969 for his last TV special that was not used. And no one had ever seen it. I think Herb had forgotten that it was there. But they shot an interview with Herb up on the uh, uh, bluff overlooking the Pacific Ocean. And it was painful to watch. He was struggling for his words. He was clearly troubled. He couldn't quite articulate his thoughts all the time because this was the period, and we talk about this in the film, uh, where he really was, was suffering emotionally, uh, physically in his life. And you could see it in this interview and it gave me an opportunity to kind of clue the audience in that something's coming here, that here's yeah. this guy, the big star and been very articulate up to this point, And now he's kind of struggling. And, and uh, uh, to Herb's credit, uh, I, you know, I'll tell you, Mike, the, if I could think of one word that describes Herb, it's authentic. That's who he is as a person. There's no private Herb and public Herb. It's what he puts out there is really who he is. And we spent three months uh, before we actually started production on the picture. We spent about three months either having lunches or just talking out at the house or talking on the phone. So I wanted him to get comfortable with me and develop some uh, trust in me. And I think that resulted in him feeling comfortable to be himself and to open up and share moments from his life, even the ones that were perhaps not the most positive. It's uh, it's it's all there, and his his uh, you know the period of time from moving from the eighties through to today, he continues to be that restless creative person, but he also as you described earlier, he was, he was adamant about paying it forward, bringing other people along with him on his journey in life and the contributions he's made to these creative schools, the, uh, the art schools, I believe the one in Harlem that was about to go bankrupt that he, he came to the rescue of is, is remarkable and a testament to the kind of person that he is. His relationship with Lonnie Hall uh, is something that we see in the film, and it's it seems very genuine, a love for each other, and and uh, a good partnership, and uh, it's all there. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice life, you know. He he really has found himself a, a terrific way to get through life and and do what it is he wants to do. And I think what's what also is kind of interesting, Mike, is he's eighty five years old. He's sharp. He's 
He's in great shape, has a, a wonderful sense of humor about himself and other things. And it was just really inspiring to be around him. Well, seeing him in the film, when we, as you mentioned, we first see him, uh, he's having breakfast and talking about, um, he doesn't look a day over 83 and he's actually 84. Yeah, yeah. you could tell he has a sense of humor about things. He does. Uh, uh, and, and I think that's great. Uh, I've been fortunate uh, to interview a lot of famous people. And uh, uh, let's just say not all of them have, have as uh, grounded a perspective on themselves as Herb does. And this is a little bit of an aside, but it, it feels like it's appropriate. And that is increasingly the perception of aging, uh, and he's a great example of that, is that, that it's not this downward tra trajectory. And now you see we have, as the science advances, as we have opportunities to understand how we age, uh, it's, it's very encouraging to be able to say to yourself that being older doesn't necessarily mean that you have to give up on so many things that you value and, and how you approach your life. Very much so. You can continue to be productive and in Herb's case, creative. For the last, I think, six years, He's put out a new album every year. Yeah, He makes music videos. He is constantly painting and sculpting, and those are getting out into the world. And Does he still do live performances? It's, I got the impression he's well, still- Well, you know, until the virus kind of put an end to that, yeah, he was true. doing about 50 to 60 dates a year yeah. uh, in uh, jazz clubs, um, small performing arts centers. Uh, and I think he loves it. And uh, I think he's really missing it at the moment that he can't go out there and do it. So the film, again, is Herb Alpert is it's being released through Obrama Rama, uh, film distributors. It is. Tell us how people you also have your own website, Crew Neck Productions uh, for John Scheinfeld. How can people plug into how they're going to see Herb Alpert is and um, what's the best way to do that? Friday, October 2nd, it'll be available for a fee on iTunes and okay. Amazon Prime, um, and, uh, and uh, people can go there and, and see it. There Very will cool. also be 40 virtual cinema uh, uh, screenings, uh, and what those are, um, just in, in broad terms, is your favorite uh, art theater in your hometown We'll have it up on its website. You you can go there, pay for a screening, which helps your local theater exactly. and, and helps the, the film. And then you can watch it that way. Uh, and again, I think uh, the best way to do this is for your listeners to go to uh, HerbAlpertIs.com. Yep. Uh, and uh, all the information will be up there. Fantastic. Thank you for all of that. October 2nd, you'll start the virtual theater release as well as the VOD opportunities on Amazon and iTunes and other platforms. Gosh, John Scheinfeld, thank you so very much for your time today and for a wonderful documentary film about a pretty darn terrific person. It's great to be here. I appreciate your enthusiasm and the good questions. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.